Welcome to the Unearthed Man Podcast, the journey of becoming a conscious man, hosted by Milva. Hey all, Milvo here and uh, welcome to Season 2 of the Unearthed Man Podcast. This is now Episode 28 and I must say I'm super excited to be back in podcast land. Um, the six month break was amazing and I'll definitely be talking into the six month, why I took the time off and what that looked like but I'm certainly now fully energized, uh, recovered, um, reconnected and just super excited to uh, get back into the podcast. One of the things that I'm going to do differently this year with the podcast and I'll do that now before kicking off is i just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is being recorded. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and future. Uh, there's a reason in behind doing that and there's a reason why I actually also haven't named the actual landowners. Where I do live, um, the landowners haven't been formally recognised as of yet. Um, I'm hoping that it does take place reasonably soon. So uh, until that actually happens, I will just acknowledge uh, all our First Nations peoples and the landowners of, of many of the different um, areas across all of Australia. So... <laughs> What's been going on? Um, 2020, as we all know, huge year for everybody. There was a lot of uh, different energy in the space, uh, a lot that was taking place. For me, 2020 was just an amazing year of uh, growth, uh, reconnection, a lot of self-development work, but then also a lot of understanding how my ego was playing into that. So, you know, from a self-development point of view, uh, you can often develop uh, if you like the self, but sometimes that's the little self and the egoic self. But you have to go through that process. Um, I've been now further on a journey of working out where does my ego play, where do my shadows play, uh, and going back more to just trying to observe uh, where I am sitting in relation to ego, my shadows. So where I'm reacting, is that a part of me that I just haven't dealt with yet? Um, uh, an amazing piece I saw yesterday on Instagram was uh, from uh, Stefanos Safandos. Um, he put out there about the fact of how he had reacted to his partner and it really touched with me because I I feel that there's a whole part of me that really struggles with criticism and when I look back I feel there's a lot of pressure. I know there's a lot of pressure when I was growing up to succeed I think and just be successful. Um, my dad was an ultimate perfectionist. I love my dad. Uh, but he was a, an absolute perfectionist and there was a view about, you know, what was good enough and, and, and if I hadn't quite achieved what I felt was good enough, then, you know, I, I received probably some pressure and criticism maybe on the home front. There was always that, you know, trying to be better than my brothers and everything else. So now when something comes up where I may not have done something perfectly and someone questions me on it, then I do feel that there is a a reaction that I have and that's clearly a part of uh, a shadow and, and a part of my childhood that I still need to work into and be aware of so um, very grateful for uh, Steph for you know putting that out yesterday on Instagram because those things are really uh, poignant for us to sit back and actually go yeah is that really happening with me 
So yes, 2020 was rather large because I went on the growth journey. We launched the podcast, um, ran some men's programs, uh, and working in the corporate environment I do on large projects, there was a lot of stress, um, perceived stress. Stress is always perceived, and that's where I've landed as well, um, in a really good spot now about whether I'm creating the stress myself. But you know, there's a lot of maybe what you could call external pressure. It's, it's about how you internally deal with that pressure. And I knew coming into the first six months of this year that, you know, purely from a project point of view and a professional point of view, um, I was going to be working in the order of, you know, six to eight weekends, um, doing shifts between midnight and 8 a.m., you know, and, and that was a lot that was actually going to be going on. And so I had to make a choice as to would I continue to try to do my my day job, my professional job, which was, you know, eight to 10 hours plus, you know, weekends. So there was times I actually worked 14 days straight. Um, or would I actually be able to you know, balance that plus with all the other Unearthed Man stuff? So I decided to put the Unearthed Man stuff just on the hold, on, on the background. But the other element of that too is that I talked a lot into videos and a lot of things last year about how we can live life and what life should look like for us all. And the question was, was I actually doing all that myself? Was I actually living life? Was I allowing what was happening in the in, in the energies of the world and, you know, the pandemics and everything that was going on and the rabbit holes, was I allowing that to drag me down or was I actually saying, look, I'm going to I'm going to look at myself and I'm going to sit above that and I'm just going to live my life. So I did. I made a conscious choice that whilst I was doing a lot in the professional workspace that I would then actually also uh, look at my own personal life and make sure I was absolutely just living life to the fullest. And there were some things that we really wanted to do. So uh, one of the things that I did, uh, worked with, um, sorry, joined into a program um, called Nectar of the Gods, um, Panthera Soul, Cacao Nectar of the Gods with uh, Brendan Durrell. Now, Brendan was on episode 16 of the podcast, uh, a, a beautiful man. And he ran a program about cacao and and how um, how that was seen in, in you know four or five thousand years ago in Mayan cultures, how it was actually seen as an actual as an actual nectar uh, that the gods would use, or how it was offered up, and and how we could use it, and how um, a lot of that works in our lives um, in relation to um, how. It, triggers dopamine in the brain how it actually opens up our hearts um, how you can have that as a replacement for coffee so really immersed ourselves into that and there's also a lot of again shadow work and breath work as part of the program and, and love that so we got an immense amount out of that program to the point where even today every morning the ritual is to sit down and actually have a beautiful cup of just cacao no other additives in it so no sugars no oils just the cacao as it actually comes um, we're now back using uh, Samoan cacao more local to where we are down in uh, the southern hemisphere and and really enjoy that and basically I have that in the morning and I, I probably then eat about lunchtime because I just get so much just normal natural energy um, from that it also helps me live a very peaceful calm uh, relaxed way of operating so there's a lot of beautiful benefits come out of that move into early 2021 um, I wanted to get back more into the creative side of myself uh, so sat down and organized myself and, and my beautiful wife Jackie to do two things one we went to indeed a pottery class so actually 
creating uh, cups and bowls on on the wheel, uh, getting your hands dirty in the clay, but really connecting back into that feel of earth, the clay, cr- creating something with your own hands. And it was a two-hour, two- or three-hour uh, workshop, and I just found myself almost in this meditative state, just totally just immersed in what I was doing, fully present, putting my whole heart, my energy, everything was, my focus was just purely into these cups that uh, we created. And I'm really proud of uh, what I came out with, given I'd never done it before. I actually had some um, some cups that are actually quite usable and, and we do use them on a, on a regular basis. The other area which I know that I'm not great at is art and being able to paint. Uh, and again, I think this is a part that stems all the way back when, when I was doing art, that I was probably uh, a C or D student. My artwork has never seen as great. Uh, and again, you know, teachers view about how you operate, so you hold a lot of stories. So we signed up and went and did an art class and sat down. Um, Middle is called Cork and Canvas, so my wife got to have a few drinks and we sat there with some food, but we created, painted these lion's heads. And even when I look at it now, I'm going, actually, I'm proud of the work I've done. Given that I don't paint, I don't understand painting, I don't understand how you'd mix colors, and that's not really my forte, but how it's come out, yeah, is it perfect? No. But it's it's perfect in its imperfection because, again, I was just tapping into my full creativity when doing that. So that was just awesome to be able to do those. Uh, from a program point of view, we did Initiation Back to Self with Sam Lewis, who was on episode five of the podcast last year, which is that first really dropping in, but I hadn't progressed far enough on my own journey to completely understand the separation and how you can actually think about duality and, and universal laws and, and how we can actually see some things. So this year we revisited that program again with Sam and I took so much out of it, just a whole lot of way of learning to become the observer of who I am, to go back and understand who my true self is and observe when the emotions are coming up, not stopping them, observe them, be aware of them, allow them to pass through my body and and just understand that they don't define who I am. They, they are just a transient state that is happening and that I get to be able to move on and I can I kind of sit above that and just be an observer of that. So I've really took a lot more out of this program and again on how I operate and how I see things and how I interact with the people around me is now fundamentally different because I can just now be more of an observer of me observing those people and it's a really interesting space to to live in. I've been reading some books around um, the untethered soul and you know a surrender experiment and some elements about how again you can detach out so um I highly recommend uh, delving into those spaces. Uh, also, uh, the Amend Movement, which I really love. There's a Melbourne-based uh, group down here, which I've got some good connections with, but the guys that run the Amend Movement, so, uh, you know, Wa and uh, Tu, I got some of the couple of amazing guys. Um, they came down and ran, and ran a workshop down here, and, again, I spent all day immersing myself, doing breath work, crying uh most of the time and there's a couple of things that i hadn't actually dealt with um some abandonment issues and also some issues um around you know my dad and and how i'd seen some things so there were some really powerful themes that came out and you know spent immense amount of time releasing a lot of uh sadness and a lot of emotion and probably a lot of pain a lot of hurt uh 
But again, coming off the back of that, I just felt re-energized and uh, even lighter than than what I'd actually felt before because I was now retouching back into some of those elements that I had suppressed or I chose not to actually look at. So again, I can only uh, put out there, do programs, do the work, work on yourself. We could do all these other certificates and you know technical certificates and and everything else which everyone's been doing during these lockdown phases i see it on linkedin all the time if i've achieved this certification i've achieved that certification i've put all this money into these professional aspects of our lives Uh, what i'm not seeing is people putting the time into their personal aspect of their life and actually understanding you know what that means for them and being able to not suppress all these emotions and all these um interactions we've had with others that we we sort of hold in because we don't want to seem to be putting that out there the more that we can release those the, the whole lot uh, in relation to health uh, wealth um spirituality it just starts to open up your heart opens up and there's so much more to come from that and as i interview men um as we go through this this year there'll be a whole lot that will come up about that as well so that's some of the things i've been doing uh, on top of that I've done some amazing, amazing trips. It was my wife's, uh, our anniversary. It was in March. Uh, I was working on the weekends, but still chose. Went and stayed at a hotel in the city and had a beautiful weekend in the city at an amazing hotel. But we booked um, a getaway uh, about four hours out of where we live in Melbourne. And it was effectively as close to off uh off channel or off grid as you can get so both both places never had any power um bottled gas and we pretty much lived for three days you know as soon as it got dark there was no lights maybe a bit of solar lighting but that was about it and it was just a beautiful to be off grid because we were just so connected uh able to run around effectively naked which was beautiful as well because then you're standing naked in nature uh, and just being able to really fully connect. One uh, was in a yurt, so a yurt's a Mongolian hut. They'd imported them into um, Australia and set that up, which was good, and the other one was just a wooden cabin. I was also able to take my camera. I love photography, as everyone, um, you know, I've just relaunched my website, and I've put all my photography out there on the website. So there's photos of that journey up on there. It was, again, a great, a great opportunity just to reconnect and understand where I am and who I am and what my life looks like and how minimalist you can actually live and operate and still just just be. Uh, and that was just an awesome way to disconnect from all the what was going on around us because the energies in the bush, the animals that were there didn't care, the birds that were there didn't care, the sheep that were walking around didn't care. They, they had no concept of all this other craziness and fear and chaos that was going on around them. It's something we've generated as humans and to be able to just completely disconnect and, and be involved and live in their world it was uh, amazing. The other thing we did, we, we have a beautiful friend, Erin Murphy, that lives in Canberra over Easter weekend, hopped in the car, drove the nine hours to get to Canberra, um, spent the weekend with Erin uh, and then drove back again, you know, again, spending time with beautiful wife Jackie in the car. We got to talk about a whole lot of things that were important to us I listened to some audio books and again, it's just no excuses, just hop in the car and drive. Um, there's amazing places if you want to just hop in the car and drive around Australia. And then one of the other just incredible trips, we took a whole week off, left on the Saturday, got back on the following Sunday and drove to a place called Port Lincoln, which is over in South Australia. 
sole purpose of going all the way over there was to go shark cage diving. Uh, so we booked into this tour. At, in the morning, we actually went stopped at one island where there's a whole lot of uh, sea lions. Basically, we were able to get in the water and just snorkel around with sea lions, just free swimming around you. They were as, as intrigued as to what we were, as to what they were. And it's just, again, you're just immersed in this beautiful uh, islands, you know, 40 kilometers off, off Australia and just cruising around with these amazing sea lions who just were just curious and swimming around and, you know, up and down out of the water. And that was just a really heart touching moment. And then we went further down and, and searched for basically some great white sharks. We hopped in the cage. Unfortunately, no sharks appeared. There, there's, the sharks hadn't been around for a while and we knew there's always a risk, but, you know, hundreds of fish were around us, hundreds of trevally kingfish just swimming all around us. And just again, to experience that trip was great. Came back, saw great family, friends, went to some wineries, uh, just took our time and just had, again, just amazing, beautiful adventure. So just we're living in the moment. You know, we went to um, one of the beaches on the way back as just massive sand dunes. And so, you know, stopped, went there, ran up and down these sand dunes, you know, just played like children. Uh, and again, just to see something that is so unique to a certain part of Australia that you don't see in other parts was, was again, just a, a beautiful, amazing experience. From there, we, um, our daughter uh, had decided to relocate to Cairns, moved up there around March this year. So another excuse for a trip. So we hopped on a plane and uh, flew into Cairns um, and got to spend a week with our daughter up again, northern Australia. And just again, living life up there, we booked onto a, a snorkeling, um, diving tour, uh, went out to the Great Barrier Reef, got to snorkel, uh, which is just amazing. And I got to see a wobbegong shark. Wobbegongs, if you don't know, are pretty much bury themselves in the sand, hide in the cave, in a cave down in the sand and just basically lure fish into the cave and as they come in they just pretty much uh vacuum them into their mouth so they're just amazing when you look at the video when i look back like i I could see this this shark but when you look back on the video when you pause it you cannot tell where the shark is compared to the coral it's it's camouflage is just incredible uh but to, to have been able to witness and see such a um, a shy shark was yeah just an amazing experience. So in all these trips where I wanted to call on a shark, I actually got to call in a very unique shark and it actually happened. So it may not have happened that there was a great white in Port Lincoln, but I certainly got to see this this beautiful shark, which a lot of people don't get to see up in the Great Barrier Reef. And then we did something that uh, both my wife and I had been challenged with before, which is diving. Uh, we both had experiences that weren't pleasant and we'd held on to those, but we thought we'd give it a try. So we got down eight meters. We both beautifully survived, realized that, you know, this is something we could do and it's something we're now going to explore moving forward as to what that looks like for us. So that's really what we've been doing. We have just been living life. And in the background then, you know, just been doing lots of reading, lots of different reading. And some of the stuff I've actually have been reading is there's a, um, there's there's a first knowledges book there's a book series come out one's on um, song lines which is talks into the the dream time uh stories um that uh at our indigenous culture i have and the other one's called design and it talks about 
how the Indigenous lived and how they designed their homes and how they, they designed how they lived um, in and around Australia. And this is all pre, um, pre-settlement or pre-us, uh, the white people turning up and effectively stealing the land and, and taking over the land. I've also read a, an amazing book called Dark Emu, which again talks about what everything looked like pre-1788. So I would highly recommend that everyone starts to do this level of reading and I don't understand why it's not in our education system. I'm hoping it is. I may be too far removed from the education system, but if it's not, these these got to be mandatory books. We have to learn more about the 40,000-plus-year history and culture and the way that the First Nations peoples looked after this land before we turned up and effectively destroyed it. Crops used to grow now where there's red deserts. Um, you know, the amount of bird life about how there was never these raging bushfires that we have today. They, they never existed because everything was correctly managed. Now, Australia was made up of, if you like, almost what Europe is, lots of little countries, lots of owners of parts of land across all of Australia. And that's what people say. When we, when people talk to Indigenous or Aboriginal, they assume that they are just you know, one great big nation, but they weren't. They were made up of lots of different clans and lots of different owners of parts of land. But what they did understand is that how I looked after my part of my land and my part of country impacted every other part of of the country. So I had to look at upstream, downstream, everywhere else. And if there was food or there was certain stuff that, you know, food or you know, crops or everything else that that group had that other clans didn't. When everyone came together, there was actually the ability to share and trade, you know, um, whether it be meats or crops or everything else. So it's so important that we learn how this land survived 40,000 plus years with the oldest culture in the world managing this land. And we, in 250 years, we've just been able to just destroy that, which is just I really struggle with that myself and I'm embarrassed the fact that I haven't known more about this up to date. And so it's something I'm certainly uh, going to delve into and learn more about and, and become a student of and just be able to listen and learn and listen and learn about what we can actually do and become an advocate of. Um, and, and, and you'll see more of that as, as I'm going along with the people that I'll be interviewing and Ethan, even the activities that I'll be undertaking. So that's sort of where what's been happening and what's what, where it is. Um, so in relation to the podcast, so let's get back into where we are now. So season two, da-da, here we are, we're up and rowing, uh, episode 28. Last season, I saw it was really successful. I think when I last checked, there's 1,600 downloads, 27 countries, over 200 cities, people have listened to the podcast, which I'm blown away and just grateful and thankful for every beautiful person who chose to download and listen to be it a single episode or multiple episodes i just thank you thank you very much so for me i see my, my season one the launch of the unearthed man podcast has been very successful from my personal um personal perspective what i did set myself was a goal of right okay i had amazing i think it was about 16 or 17 people i interviewed last year and everyone those were just beautiful amazing men what I wanted to do was to say, okay, now it's time. I really want to start to reach out. I want to get to a greater audience. I want to start to expand out the podcast. And there are some people who I, when you look at, you know, within 
the the men's space and within the spiritual space and the conscious space who are just leaders and quite large leaders, you know, globally on, on how they operate. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start to reach out to them. The stories about why would they want to come on my little podcast were just all my stories. They don't know much about it. Why would they not want to support, if I'm here supporting the man and the messaging, why would they not want to come on board? So I parked those stories and I started to reach out. And the response has just been absolutely amazing from some of these people who are willing to come back on board. And it's really interesting when you put the story aside and you just have that leap of faith, say pretty much, fuck it, I'm just going to have a crack you'd be amazed at what actually happens. So have a think about where else in your life are you choosing not to do something out of your own fear as opposed to saying, fuck it, I'm just going to have a crack and let's just see what happens. And if that person says no, it's okay. It just wasn't right for them or wasn't right for you at that point in time. But you move on. They haven't rejected you as a person. They just didn't want to come onto that and that was okay. But the people I've lined up and what it looks like for this year and over the next coming months for me is just simply amazing. So some of the men that I'll be interviewing over the next few months are Trevor Bohm from The Uncivilized Nation. Um, he's got a book out called Man Uncivilized, which is one of the first books I've read. Go and read that book. Uh, the way he puts things, the way he operates is awesome. So um, I'm just super excited to have Trevor on board. Um, as I spoke about earlier, uh, Stefanos Safandos. So Steph, uh, again, a, a leader in this area. He's, he's just recently agreed to come on. Uh, Watin Weenga um, from the Amen Movement and to Wakatihi. Uh, they're also going to be coming on board. They're part of the, the workshop I did. They both said, yep, they'd be happy to come on board and they're going to come on soon. Uh, Frankie Winterstein, ex uh Rugby league star, went, went and played both uh, locally and internationally. Um, Frankie's coming on board. He's doing some amazing stuff around, you know, his own self-healing, but couples healing. Um, Matt Sinkovitz, uh, who's out of the US, is just doing some beautiful, amazing work around helping men move beyond their porn addictions. So they're just some of the men. And on top of that, you know, and that's not taking away from some of these other guys who've signed on, like Alecky Schmeckel, Will Austin from Yarnbark, uh, Lockie Samuel, Brad Cusworth, and Corey McCarthy. So, again, there's just a dozen odd men already lined up, ready to go, that I'll be interviewing over the next few weeks. Uh, and, you know, they'll start to come on. You'll start to see those episodes coming through. So I am just super excited, absolutely super excited about what season two is going to look like on the podcast. And, you know, we can only just keep going up from here. And, and it's all thankful to you as as the listener, because if you're listening, I'm going to keep getting the content out there. I'm going to keep getting these amazing men on and get them to tell the story. And, you know, if you take something out of it, you know, under my mantra, if the right message will hit the right person at the right time. And that's just what this is all about. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, I have actually now started to re-educate myself um, and remove all of the conditioning I've had and all the previous belief systems about our nation's first peoples and how they operated, survived and lived for the 40,000 odd years before myself and our ancestors, my ancestors, your ancestors, if you're here in Australia and you're of a you know, European, Western or non-Indigenous background, then this is what, you know, our ancestors came to say and effectively, you know, we did steal it from them. Let's be very clear. There was no agreement. There was no signing on. There was no treaties. Uh, we turned up and said, we are now going to take over this land. And 
chose to operate as we think would operate without any real integration with 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 our um the first nations people as i said before i'm actually quite embarrassed about my lack of knowledge and probably even you know how i've perceived and seen some things um and i i can only say i apologize uh directly and indirectly for any anything that i've done and i'm certainly looking to uh, become an advocate and see what I can do act to change how I go forward and change the perception of others around us. Um, the when this episode goes live, which will be effectively you know on the eighth of July, it's in the middle of what's called, known as going to be NADOC Week. Now NADOC stands for the National Aborigines and Islanders Day Observance Committee. So there's a week every year which is about. Um, how they can help us as non-Indigenous learn and understand about, you know, what we can do to reconnect and, and um, re-involve and, and get a better understanding and utilise this 40,000 years' worth of knowledge back into how we, how we live and how we operate. So where I now work, um, that's probably the other thing I didn't touch on, I've picked up a new job but i'll touch on that soon so where i work we have an internet site um and on that internet site they've actually got a page about nadoc um, there's a whole statement that's set on there now this statement is actually written from the perspective of aborigines indigenous um the torres strait islander people so it comes from their perspective and it's written written for, as if one of them are talking to this now i don't want to discredit or change it or flip it around so i'm going to read out quote for quote exactly what this says now the the disclaimer i am not claiming to be indigenous nor having an indigenous background so this is actually me talking on behalf of them which you know i'm doing this from a perspective of an ally and as i said i'm not here to represent that i am indigenous and i have a lot of learning to do but i'm going to read out what was on our internet site because I, i found it hugely powerful and i hope you do too So the theme of NADOC week this year is Heal Country, Heal Our Nation. Country is inherent to our identity. It sustains our lives in every aspect, spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially and culturally. It is more than a place. When we talk about country, it is spoken of like a person. Country is family, kin, law, L-A-W, law, L-O-R-E, Ceremony, traditions, and language. For Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, it has been this way since the dawn of time. Through our languages and songs, we speak to country. Through our ceremonies and traditions, we sing to and celebrate country, and country speak to us. Increasingly, we worry about country. For generations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been calling for stronger measures to recognise, protect and maintain all aspects of our culture and heritage for all Australians. We have continued to seek greater protections for our lands, our waters, our sacred sites and our cultural heritage from exploitation, desecration and destruction. We are still waiting for those robust protections. Healing country means hearing those pleas to provide greater management, involvement and empowerment by Indigenous peoples over country. Healing country means embracing First Nations cultural knowledge and understanding of country as part of Australia's national heritage. That the culture and values of Aboriginal peoples and Torres Strait Islanders are respected equally to and the cultures and values of all Australians. 
The right to protect country and culture is fundamental. Destruction and desecration of our sacred lands or ancient sites, some of the oldest human occupation sites on the planet, is an enormous loss for both our nation and the world. But to truly heal country, we have more to do. Our lands will continue to burn for bushfires, droughts will continue to destroy our livelihoods without using traditional practices that have protected this country for centuries. For generations, our elders and communities have advocated, marched and fought for substantive institutional, structural and collaborative reform. The aspirations of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are the culmination of generations of consultation and discussions among our nations on a range of issues and grievances. Healing country means finally resolving many of the outstanding injustices which impact on the lives of our people. There must be a fair and equitable Resolution. Fundamental grievances will not vanish. In the European settlement of Australia, there were no treaties, no formal settlements, no compacts. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people therefore did not cede sovereignty to our land. It was taken from us. That will remain a continuing source of dispute. To heal country, we must properly work towards redressing historical injustice. While we can't change history through telling the truth about our nation's past, we certainly can change the way history is viewed. After 250 years, our children and our future generations deserve better. For generations, we have repeatedly called for just recognition of our right to participate on an equal basis in economic and social terms. Yet such participation cannot be successful unless, first, there is formal recognition that Indigenous people have been dispossessed, and second... Definite, specific steps are taken to redress the grave social and economic disadvantage that followed that dispossession. Healing country is more than changing a word in our national anthem. It's about the historical, political and administrative landscapes adapting to successfully empower and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities, nations and heritage. We are all looking for significant and lasting change. We cannot afford to let pass the very real opportunity that now presents itself for reform based on the fundamental change in a relationship Australia has with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Heal country, heal our nation. I just want to let that sink in and I, I, I would strongly encourage that you actually go back and replay that section. For me, I feel it brings up a lot of emotion for me when I read that because I feel the hurt that we've done to our First Nations people. You can read in there that the hurt, the, the, the energy, the anger, the frustration of, of what we've taken away from these, these beautiful people who looked after managed, manicured, supported the land that we live on. One of the things that I took out from some of the readings that I'd previous done around this was the thing about country is that the Indigenous see do not differentiate between animate and inanimate objects. They are all the same. They are all on the same equal level. They are all on equal footing. Simple things like when the Indigenous go to create their, 
you know, cultural artifacts, be it boomerangs, uh, clapsticks, um, what we call didgeridoo, but uh, yidikis, they first actually seek permission from the tree to say, can I use part of you to create this? They don't just go and chop down the tree. They actually touch and speak and feel into the energy of the tree. If they don't feel it's right, if the tree, all the stones, all the rocks that they want to use for other implements don't give the permission back through the energy, then they move on to the next one. We don't do that. As a westernized white culture, we are about quick, easy, throwaway. We don't seek gratification. We don't seek, we don't ask, we don't have gratitude. We don't seek permission. We just assume that everything is there for our taking. It's something we have to change and we have to fundamentally change. And that this, this is just isn't Australia, right? What I read out there, you could probably take on board for any indigenous culture that used to live on a land before it was settled by Europeans and Westerners, any, any land, you would probably get a very similar message. So this, as much as this is very unique, those wordings to what's here in Australia, just think about this across all lands, all the countries across the world, have a think about who your indigenous people are and have a think about what would they say would they read that and have the exact same feelings about that's how they feel about what's happened to their land? And, and I guess the answer would be probably yes. As a nation, and I'm talking about the Earth nation, as as a as a global nation, you know, we now have an opportunity to right wrongs of the past and have ways to actually move forward for that. So anyway, that's... I'm going to end on that note. Um, so here we are, episode 28. Um, I'm back. We are back. The podcast is back up and running. Um, as I said, I got some amazing, beautiful men that have signed on to to come on board, um, local and international. It's going to be an amazing six months. The podcast, again, will run between uh, this episode, 8th of July um, is the launch date for this episode. We'll run through again to early December. And I'll reassess how my energy is in the year as to whether I just do rolling six months or we end up with a 12-month set of podcasts going into next year. Um, So where you can find me, um, like all channels, uh, I'm definitely there on Facebook, um, but I've dropped off my Unearthman page on Facebook, so you just find me under Stephen Milverton. Um, You can find me on Instagram, Unearthman. You can find me within LinkedIn, either Stephen Milverton or the Unearthed Man page within LinkedIn. Uh, all the content will be going up there. I'll be putting more content back out again, probably doing series of things, so probably two to three parts of video series about certain larger topics rather than just individual topics, so that'll be coming along. So that's where you can find me. Um, the website, www.theunearthedman.com. Um, a lot of content's on there. The podcast is on there. Um, if you have any questions, there's a contact page on, on the website, so feel free to jump in uh, and just reach out and contact or via Instagram message, Facebook message, or even LinkedIn message, I can be on the channel. So that's it. Wrap up of uh, season, um, sorry, wrap up, wrap up of episode 28. 
commencement of season two. Um, I'm looking forward to interacting with everybody um, over the next six months at a minimum, and we'll see how we go there. So for today, much love and peace, and have a beautiful day. Good night.